Hi, everybody. Today I'm speaking with Carlos. He grew up in the suburbs of Miami. He was raised by a mom who worked really hard to provide for him in her adopted country. Carlos, of course, recognizes the many sacrifices she made for her family. But as an adult, he also sees the inequality in the U.S., inequality that makes it so hard for working-class individuals to move up economically. His mom doesn't see it quite that way. Let's get into it. My name's Carlos, and I was born abroad but grew up in Miami. When I grew up, I used to call my uh, mother Mama. I grew up in the suburbs. We did not grow up with a lot, actually. Mother raised us as a single mother, so that's already one income. And because she moved uh, to the U.S. as an immigrant, I think the language barrier and the social network barrier meant that she, she had to do a lot of housekeeping and jobs that um, just didn't really provide a lot financially. We didn't have to worry about food, and we didn't have to worry about where we we're going to sleep the next month at our power. But in the next phase of my life, where I started working in really distressed communities, those things were very salient. I mean, I worked with um, students who lived in trailer homes whose their roof was kind of like a blue tarp, uh, kids who were perpetually hungry. I mean, I, I saw a little bit of everything, and I'm talking about children, but I also saw that in adults. From that perspective, I also saw where I had more opportunity and more access that also made me hyper aware of my advantages, right? The attention that my mother gave to me and how hard she worked to put us in a very stable environment with, you know, pretty good schools nearby and how not everyone gets that. The, the range just runs really big in the U.S. from the haves and the have-nots. It caused tension, especially when I was unemployed for a while. And that frustration was eating me up. The frustration of knowing that it's not your effort, it's not your merit. Oftentimes, it's, I don't want to say it's the dull cliche of who you know, but um, at the company I was in, for example, every person of color that came in, that came in on my cohort, a cohort of about, I don't know, 20 people were the ones that left first or were the ones that were fired first, myself included. I was trying to explain that to her. And for her, it, it's incongruent because for her, obviously, the U.S. has done quite a lot. And I think that that created friction, that that created friction. Part of it is that I was already upset. I was already upset to begin with. And what I wanted at that point was for one is sympathy of the situation and acknowledgement kind of the, the you're not crazy. This is the way things are. But instead, I was getting a lot of what everyone else was telling me, which is just keep trying. Some people even told me, you know, if I just made peace with God, things would work out. So um, part of um, why this is important, she takes it as a personal slight. I'm talking about systemic lack of systemic issues of access. She's talking about failures as a parent. And, you know, you, you view what I've given to you as a failure as not enough. That's not what it is, mommy. What it is, is that there 
are several rules in this country based on the background you come from, based on the color of your skin, based on your gender and your sexual identities. And those rules affect us deeply and, and it impacts our success later in life. It impacts what we can do and we cannot do. Where areas, you know, she's looking at it as some sort of statement on her parenting, which is not what I'm saying. I guess I was able to address a little bit of it with her through a field trip. I had an interesting field trip with my mother, and I think that changed her perspective a little bit. We had to go to Central Florida for something. I was, um, I took a detour. We went to a town called Pahokee. We're not just talking about urban poverty. We're also talking about rural poverty, and it's all kind of wrapped up in one. And these are Black communities. It is, you know, that's kind of the demographics of the region. There's $3 stores. There's no other place to find food, buildings that are condemned. You're really looking at people who don't have a lot at all. And I think for her, that was a bit of a mind shift because she's never, she's never seen that in, you know, in her 20-year history, 25-year history in the United States. She's never seen a place like that before. It didn't necessarily resolve our views on wealth inequality and what that means and how that impacts opportunity. But I think it changed her mind to an extent. She still talks about it. I wanted to explore this disconnect between fresh gens like Carlos and their parents. Many of us have a hard time understanding our parents' conservative political and economic views, especially in light of the fact that they are immigrants to this country. I definitely needed help with this one. So I called in an expert. My name is Eduardo Gamarra. I'm a professor of politics and international relations uh, at Florida International University. I've been at the university now for 35 years. My research at the university spans really most of Latin America in terms of geographic focus. I've done a lot of work on the Andean region, the Caribbean, Central America, and on various topics, uh, but mainly campaigns and elections. Uh, and uh, I began a, a, a consulting career doing research in the United States on Latino politics. So you heard Carlos's story. What did you hear when you listened? Well, it's an interesting story. And uh, frankly, what I heard is a story that I've heard many, many, many times from, from my students. In fact, Carlos uh, is very typical of the kind of students that we that we receive at FIU, somebody who, who has, uh, whose mother worked her, her you know, to, to the bone and put him uh, in a position where he basically has middle-class aspirations and, uh, and is very analytical and is analytical about his situation here, but really reflects very little knowledge about where his mother came from. And that's always very interesting of immigrants, right? Especially second and third generation kids who, who see how their parents struggle, but don't really understand where their parents came from. Can you talk a little bit more about that, about basically the gap in their analysis of their current situation of their family situation versus their lack of understanding of the situation from which their parents came? You know, parents come from a variety of backgrounds. They may come as, uh, as refugees fleeing violence or fleeing political persecution 
or they may just simply come as economic immigrants. And when they arrive here, they, you know, they really come with, with aspirations of very quick upward mobility and then find themselves in, in very difficult situations because they have to, you know, work long hours and, uh, uh, and completely abandon the lifestyle that they may have had at home. The children appreciate what their parents do to a certain extent, but they're being socialized into the American dream. And so they go to school and they forget their Spanish, the little Spanish they knew, because instruction in school is so, there is no Spanish instruction to speak of. Um, there is no, no teaching of the history of, of, uh, of Latin America or any of the countries where, 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 where these kids come from, or very cursory kind of teaching, right? So what, what you have then are, are, are kids who, who grow up not learning about their past with parents who are really too busy to educate them about where they came from, right? So it seems like ideologically, once the first generation, once the child born and socialized in the U.S. starts to gain consciousness, there's a split, right? There's a fork in the ideological road between the parent and the child. Can you talk about where the split begins to happen and what are the core values expressed by each of them, by each generation, as the fork gets wider and wider in the road? What I see often, and I have the experience of my, of, uh, you know, 35 years of teaching children of immigrants, um, a lot of the, the parents who flee their home countries are conservative, and, and have conservative values, and that, you know, the values that they, that they try to inculcate at home get softened as generations pass on a number of things, on religious values, on, you know, on tolerance issues, on, you know, on things that, uh, that the, the, the migrant uh, uh, parent uh, back home might have found you know, just absolutely, you know, unacceptable, for example, things like racial integration, things, of course, uh, that, that relate to, you know, the way in which the United States has advanced on, on social issues, the whole issues ranging from, you know, sexual identity and so on, that, that today are common with young kids, but that older generations still find, you know, uh, difficult to accept. So that tension is there. It really struck me in Carlos's story that it took that sort of like winding detour through a predominantly black, economically depressed area for his mother to have an awakening about the economic disparities and the racial disparities in her backyard. Um, and so I'm wondering what you made of that story. And I wonder if you have heard similar stories in, in the many years that you've been teaching the children of immigrants. Well, you know, what, what's interesting, of course, is that uh, Miami is a, is a very, very, how should I put it? Uh, it camouflages poverty and it camouflages poverty extraordinarily well. You know, the city of Miami is one of the poorest in the United States, and you would not know that, because the same people that live in those neighborhoods, right, the Opalocas, the Alapadas, and so on, they shop at Walmart, 
but they also show up at Target and they also show up at Dayland Mall, right? And they're able to kind of, you know, uh, how should I put it, uh, I guess camouflage their own, you know, uh, socioeconomic uh, status. And so there's this false sense here that we're all middle class, right? When, when what we see is that most of us are really only a paycheck away from destitution, right? Well, so are most Americans. So, yeah, most Americans. You know, most Americans yeah, yeah. don't have $400 for an emergency in their bank account. Correct. Um, all right, so then to borrow a political term, let me ask you about what you think the key talking points should be when a first-gen starts to notice the differences, the ideological and point of view differences between themselves and their parents. Um, what are some of the key talking points for them? And also, because you've identified that there's clearly a background gap, they don't know, they don't understand sufficiently what their parents came from. What is the type of information that they should be seeking from their parents? Yeah, look, unfortunately, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that has to work itself out. On the one hand, it's the parent who needs to initiate the dialogue, right? You have to talk to them about where you came from. You know, what was it like, in, in my case, in Bolivia? What was it like in Bolivia in the case of their mother? Look at, you know, where it is that we live, how it is that we got here, and, uh, and where we're going to go, right? Now, Carlos is an adult, and, and Carlos now has a responsibility not of trying to convert his mother into being more tolerant, but he has a responsibility to understand why his mother thinks the way she does. So his mother went to Central Florida or wherever it was that they witnessed uh, that situation. Carlos needs to do the same. He needs to meet his mother uh, and look at where his mother came from to understand her a little bit better. And with that, I'm going to thank you so much for making time to talk to us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. All right. Let's recap what we learned from Eduardo. Be curious about their past. To better understand your parents' values and where their POV comes from, ask about their family history and their experiences in their home country. Take ownership of the conversation. There are many reasons for the gaps between our parents' lived experiences and what we know about them. But as adults, we can take the lead and start the conversations. And remember, strive to understand different contexts. As grown-up children socialized in the United States, we have a perspective that our parents may never share. But don't try to convince them to see things your way. Instead, listen with a caring ear and understand them better. Share your POV and allow them to alter their own perspectives at their own pace. Thank you so much for listening and sharing us. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of Lantigua Williams & Co., Virginia Lora produced this episode. Michael Castañeda mixed it. Micaela Rodriguez is our founding producer and social media editor. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. I'm the show's creator, Julie Galantigua-Williams. 
On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Bye, everybody. Same place next week.